Welcome into the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and on today's episode, we're going to be breaking down whether or not Arch Manning is overrated. Guys, in order to help the show out, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe as it really goes a long way for us. Now, with that out of the way, let's get into it. Welcome to the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your daily source for all things college football. And now your host, Christian Hunt. All right. So according to Mike Farrell, who is a recruiting analyst for Rivals.com, okay, he grades a lot of these kids that are coming up. He made a statement that sent shockwaves throughout college football and college football recruiting a couple of days ago. Here's what he said. He said, and I quote, if his last name was Smith, he would be a three-star recruit. Now, everybody's going to have an opinion on this, right? Everybody's going to say, well, yeah, that's just a hot take that he's throwing out there in order to garner views, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you could also probably make an argument that, well, maybe it's good for business if we hype the kid up because he's got a marketability to him, right? He's got a last name of Manning. He plays at the same high school as his uncles and his uh, granddad. And so it's kind of an interesting thing, I think, when you really stop for just a second and break it down, right? So this got me thinking a little bit further into, hey, is the kid actually overrated? How good is he? What's, what kind of stats is he putting up? Who's he playing against, right? That was a big thing that I, I, I think me and most everybody else, we're not really thinking about. We're just told, hey, he's a five-star, perfect, you know, composite-rated player, number one player in the country, number one quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. I did a ton of research for this video, and I think at the end of it, I'm going to have laid out a compelling argument for why Arch Manning actually is overrated. Let's get into it, okay? So... When you consider the numbers he's put up, okay, over there at Isidore Newman High School and the competition he plays against, okay, he plays in a private school league where, let's just be honest, I played at a private school league, and I'll be the first one to tell you, you know, fast in private school, it's a few steps slower than fast at a public school, right? Big, it just isn't as big, all right? And strong means something completely different. I don't know what it is. You know, when you're, when you're out there and you're hungry, uh, when you're out there and you're hungry and you got to go get after it and it's just you and you don't have that last name or silver spoon in mouth, whatever have you, right? You want it more and you're going to go out and you're going to work just a little bit harder, right? Now, let's let's be honest, right? The point is with who he's playing against, and you can go back through and you can look at the clips of some of the competition he's played against, right? And look at some of the guys that he's gone up against. He should be breaking Every statistical high school record known to man. Okay, there was three quarterbacks. All right, there's three quarterbacks who've, who have ever been rated a 1,000 perfect composite rating. That's Vince Young, that's Quinn Ewers, and that's Arch Manning. Look at, go back and look at Vince Young's stats and what he put up while he was in Houston. Go back and look at Quinn Ewers' stats he put up while he was at South Lake Carroll, right? They're pretty good. And I actually got some of them, and I'll get into some of Vince Young's stats here in just a second. Okay. He isn't attending any camps. Like he's not going to the Elite 11 or any showcases or anything like that. You know, and, the, and part of a good reason why you'd want to go to those camps is you can rub elbows with a lot more five star players, maybe some five star defensive backs, maybe some, you know, five star wide receivers, whatever have you, right? You can start to, to really rub elbows and really gain momentum on the recruiting trail. Now, when you look at the showcases and stuff like that, that's nothing new for the Manning family as 
you know, his uncles, Eli and Peyton, they didn't even participate in the NFL combine, you know, coming out of college. You know, that's a business decision more so than not. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like if you're a highly touted guy and you're already projected to be, you know, a first round pick, uh, sometimes, especially as a quarterback, you're not going to necessarily do anything at the combine that's going to wow guys, right? You, you know, the only thing you can really do is probably hurt your draft stock. So maybe this from a business standpoint is, hey, you know, why go throw him in against somebody else, create all this media hype, maybe surface, you know, some other questions out there that maybe this guy's better, that guy's better. Let's just shut it down. Let's just let him play ball and let him focus on that. I could see that being a really good business decision, though, by the Mannings to not overexpose Arch or do anything like that, right? He already is under enough pressure as it is. And I'm sure that there's a host of media coming in and out, you know, of his school in the house, right? Now, here's another interesting stat. I really dug deep into this, and, and I think you'll be able to tell. No Manning has ever won a state title at, e at Isidore Newman High School. That's a pretty interesting stat. Thus far, Arch hasn't done that, okay? E even in that league down there, he still hasn't done that. Now, you may say, well, Christian, time out now. Well, that could just be... That could just be the team that he's got around him. You know, he can't play defense and block and go catch the ball. Hey, I get that, right? But if but if you're that great of a quarterback, again, you should be breaking every statistical record. You should be boat racing teams that you're supposed to beat. And I mean, it should just be it should be an easy thing, right? Like you should be if you have the best player at the best position to have the best player at, which is quarterback, you should be out there winning games. God, blowing teams out, really, right? And let's take a look at this. When they lose, they don't just lose. They get boat raced. I watched a game. Actually, I watched a couple of games last night from Arch Manning. You know, he, listen, I'll tell you right now. I'm not sitting here saying the kid's not a good player. I think he is a good player. Do I think he's the best quarterback in the class? No. Do I think that there's a lot of room for improvement? Yes. Is he a good athlete? Yeah, I'll be honest. He can make some runs and he can make some things happen. Now, when he gets to Texas and he gets to that proverbial uh, bone saw that is the SEC and has the best defense, you know, clamps, right, as we call it over here, uh, in the country, is he going to be breaking off 60-yard touchdown runs? You know, I don't know. But it, can the kid probably get loose and sneak forward for maybe a 10, 15, 20-yard gain somewhere here and there? Yeah, I'll be honest. I think he can. You know, it's funny. I was when I was watching his film last night. The the person that he reminded me of the most is actually his granddad. You know, when you go back and you watch, you know, his granddad and and kind of how his granddad sort of, you know, he was never on really great teams, so he always had to you know run and make things kind of happen on the run. That's kind of what he looks like. He he runs just like him. I mean, it's it's like watching a ghost pretty much, man. It's. It's kind of funny. Go back, and I, and I really recommend that you go find some footage of Arch Manning and try to watch as much complete footage of him as you can. You know, with that being said, let's kind of let's kind of keep it moving. In one of the games I watched, he played Berkeley Prep. Okay, they're a decent program, a prep school down there in Florida. They're no IMG Academy. Okay, their best player was a three-star running back. Okay, he, who committed? I believe he committed to Iowa State. He was the best player in that game, bar none. He actually picked Arch Manning off, you know, in a play. And in that game, you got to see it was on an ESPN showcase game. Arch Manning had, a, uh, I think he had two or three interceptions in the game, right? Here's the other thing, too. That kid stole the show. I mean, ironically enough, this three-star running back 
showed you everything you need to know. He had, he put, sorry, he put up 350 yards and five touchdowns. The, the three-star running back ended up having a better statistical game than the five-star number one quarterback did. Man, I'm telling you right now, that's not necessarily the best thing if you're, if you're Arch Manning or Texas or some of these guys that are putting a lot of high hopes on them, right? Now, here's, here's a better look into his stat line. Okay, thus far, total yardage, he's put up about 6,500 yards throughout his career. He's got 89 total touchdowns, okay? So like I said, he's, he's an athletic kid. He can move, and he's got, a, he's got a decent arm. He just needs to sort of ring in that accuracy and stuff like that. I mean, there's a couple of plays when you watch the games, when you watch the highlights where, where guys are dropping passes. There's some overthrows. There's some some not so great sort of pinpoint throws, and I think, like I said, I think a few years from now he's going to clean that up, and and I think he'll be okay. But just right now, from a a pocket passing standpoint, is it fathomable to say, hey, there's four or five other guys that probably should be ahead of him? Yeah, you could definitely make that argument. I would say if you go back and watch their tape, compare it to his, and sort of. Uh, compare the two. I, I, I easily think that's it, right? Now, the reason why I mentioned the stats of 6,500 yards and 89 touchdowns, Arch is going to be a senior this year, so he's got one more year to go. I went back and I did some more research into uh, other players in the class, okay? Vince Young, who is a fellow 1,000 composite-rated quarterback, we've talked about that, right? But Young put up 13,000 yards, and, he, and, I, and it was really hard to find his total uh, touchdowns he put up in high school, you know, back then. And I even, hell, I even tried to go find my stats from high school because I played quarterback in high school. And that was in 2010, 2013, you know, that time frame. It is really difficult to find high school stats from back then, right? But when Vince Young played, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was really difficult to find that. So from what I could tell, he put up about 13,000 yards. And then he also put up 59 touchdowns in one season. Okay, he had... A sign I mean, you got to think, if he put up 59 touchdowns in one season, I mean, that means the guy probably has somewhere north of 150 or so touchdowns at least right throughout his career there. And that's just, that's just what I'm assuming, right? But 59 touchdowns in one season. Dante Moore, who is a fellow quarterback in this class, he's the number four quarterback in this class, right? He's put up 8,500 yards of total offense, and he's put up over 100 touchdowns thus far. Same age. Same class, everything like that, right? He's had a better statistical season to this point. I mean, he's more on par, I would say, with what I'm seeing to probably throw for, to probably have at least, I would say, at least, you know, 11,000 yards of total offense and probably put up at least, I don't know, 130, 140 touchdowns this year, as long as he doesn't get hurt, right? So, man, that is, that's not a good look. Now, I, you know, when I, when, I, when I really went back and I really started looking at, okay, he plays at a private school. What does that mean? What does that look, what does that look like, right? Well, again, you know, it's no secret. Hey, look, I'm a Georgia fan. I try not to be biased when I do this because I like talking about all of college football, right? Here's the reality. Georgia recruited a quarterback who was pretty good in his own right. He wasn't the number one player in his class. Uh, but he was a five-star quarterback. He was the number four quarterback in the 21 class. His name's Brock Vandergriff. He played at a, you know, a private, um, you know, he played in a private school league down there in Georgia, kind of like me, right? Dare I say, Georgia, give me a call, right? I can, I can still sling it. But no, seriously, here's Brock Vandergriff's stats that he put up when he was uh, in a small private school. He put up over 12,000 yards and 156 touchdowns. Okay, now. 
Well, the reason why I bring all this up is you go back and you look, okay, he's put up 6,500 yards. Okay, so that's probably closer to about mm, 2,100 yards a year. So he's probably gonna put up closer to about 9,000 yards and he's put up about eh, close to nine, he's put up close to 90 touchdowns, 89, right? It's the right number. So that means he's putting up about 30 touchdowns a year. So he's gonna finish this with like 110 touchdowns with probably again, just under 9,000 yards this year. Does that sound, and now granted, that's not, that's not not an accomplishment. That's still a good stat line, right? It's better than whatever I did in high school. But what I'm saying is, from a statistical standpoint, when he's playing this competition, he should be absolutely breaking people and dominating them, right? And it's just, I'm not seeing that, right? And, and I want to be real with you, right? Because this is going to translate into what we're getting ready to talk about next, okay? Texas fans, you have, you guys have all your hopes and dreams pinpointed to this kid, okay? And also to another kid too, Quinn Ewers. You know, look, I know the, the reality of the situation. I know what the, the, the comment here is gonna be. It's gonna be, well, Christian, you're a Georgia fan. You're salty that you didn't get him. I would have done this video regardless, right? I would have done this video regardless. And to be fair with you, I'll give you another hot take here. If Vandergriff was so good, he'd be number two on the depth chart. He's getting beat currently by a kid in four-star Carson Beck, who, you know, maybe isn't as talented is is uh, Brock is, but thus far with everything I've seen, he gets trotted out before him, right? And that may be more of a testament to Kirby than it is anything else, but I'm just telling you, I can be unbiased with this, right? Now let's take a look at this, right? Texas currently, like I said, they have all their hopes and dreams pinned to two quarterbacks who have yet to throw a collegiate pass. Okay, you've got Quinn Ewers who has not thrown a pass yet. Then you've got, and he hasn't played, you know, anybody at this level, right? Then you've got Arch Manning who arguably hasn't played anybody at this level, but I'll tell you what they both do. They both look really good in seven on seven periods. That's a, that's a big thing, right? A seven on seven, you know, it's not like the regular thing. You don't have somebody, you know, coming up into your face and you don't have the full pressure. You don't have all that stuff on seven on seven, right? It's more of a relaxed environment. Let's just kind of take as much time as we need, get the ball down the field. Yeah, 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 right. And that's how you sort of hone your skills and you can get better as a quarterback, but they look really good in that, right? They're, they're, they're what I like to call their camp guys. You know, they come into camp, they've got all the things you want. They look good in shorts and a helmet, you know, and does that translate to that next level though? Does that translate to Friday night? Does that translate to Saturday? I don't, I don't know. You know, like I said, I, I think it's a way different atmosphere when you're a good seven on seven quarterback. Now, I'm going to tell you why I think Sark is in a lose-lose situation here. Steve Sarkeesian is in a lose-lose situation because, like I said earlier, they've pinned all their hopes, all their dreams, all their future to two guys who have yet to even throw a pass in college, right? Let's take a look at this, right? Manning has to play early, okay? Manning is going to have to play early just based off his last name and his high school accolades that he's coming in with, right? So here's the, here's the lose-lose situation I was talking about. If Manning struggles for any reason, if he struggles, which I think he will when he does finally get thrust in the spot, like I think he's not going to come out and blow the league out of the water like everybody thinks he is. If he struggles or he doesn't see the field, right, because he gets exposed for being overhyped, right, and Sarkeesian realizes I can't play this guy over somebody like Malik Murphy, who was a fellow five-star quarterback, right? I can't play this guy over uh, Quinn Ewers who needs a couple more years to develop, right? That's gonna get him fired. They're gonna, they are going to fire Sarkeesian, right? I mean, think about this. 
if he struggles, he doesn't see the field, he's overhyped, they realize this, and Arch Manning decides to transfer for whatever reason, Sarkeesian's gone, okay? <laughs> Unless they win a national championship or something like that, if they fumble the bag with Arch Manning, Sarkeesian will be gone. I'm telling you, right? And look, here's the thing. It's not like this is going to come out of the blue, right? There will be signs before this happens, right? Before Steve Sarkeesian uh, gets fired, by the way, there will be signs, okay? Check this out. His staff members are going to start getting fired. You know, offensive coordinators, uh, you know, uh, relinquishing your play calling duties, stuff like that's going to start going. Quarterback coach is going to get let go. They're going to blame everybody but them. Okay, there's only going to be three people that at first they're not going to blame. They're not going to blame Arch Manning, Quinn Ewers, or Steve Sarkeesian, right? But as time goes on, you're still going to start seeing, okay, some of these talented players they got in are going to start exiting out, you know, wide receivers, this, that, the other. They're going to start transferring out to go to other programs. That's going to be the first thing you're going to start seeing, right? They're going to start saying, mm, man, uh, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and we're not winning like I thought we were going to be winning. You're going to start having anonymous very anonymous reports that are going to start getting leaked out, okay? They're going to start beginning to leak out uh, into the media, right? That the Mannings are going to deny. They're going to be like, well, we, you know, that is not true, right? You know, I, we're just not going to comment on that. That's not true, right? In the Southern drawl, right? I can kind of do it here and there. But here's the reality of the situation. They're going to deny it, but in secret, they're the ones that put it out. And And you don't really have to look that far back to see what I'm talking about. Go back to Eli Manning in the draft with the Chargers, they started putting these reports out and then they started playing the Southern y'all draw, right? And they put it out. And you know why that is? That he didn't want to go to the Chargers, right? They put it out because they like to have leverage. They like to have power. Here's what I think. And I think the real reason he went to Texas, call it a hot take, call it a conspiracy theory. I don't think that the Mannings have leverage over Saban. You know, Peyton, Eli, Cooper, Archie Manning, whoever, right? They can't walk into Saban's office and tell him, now you're going to play our, our grandson. You're going to play our net. You know, they can't do that. They realize that. Kirby Smart, he just won a title. He's got a lot of prominence in this, right? So who's the next high-profile guy out there who can develop a quarterback who will, is in a position to where he has to play him, he can be sort of manipulated? Well, that's Sark, Right? Sark is likely going to be that puppet for the Mannings, and they can pull the strings. They can do whatever they want in order to sort of do that. They get the power back, right? And I think that's the reality of the situation, right? It's, it sounds like a conspiracy theory. It sounds bonkers and way out there and whatever. But look, at the end of the day, history repeats itself. Go back and look at how Eli Manning got out of not going to, you know, what eventually became LA, but San Diego at the time. And he ended up getting drafted by the Giants. They controlled that situation. They want to be in control of all of this, right? They, they don't, they, all they want to do is they want to have him show up, play games and be put in the best position. And that's why he committed to Texas. I think in my opinion, you know, it makes for a great storyline if for these uh, recruiting rankings, how can we sort of uh, hype it up a little bit more and play into you know, more of what's going to come, you know, when he actually does get to college, well, he's a five-star. He's the number one player in the country, right? That's going to make that game, you know, if they play Alabama in the SEC championship, even more hyped because everyone's going to know his name, right? So in my opinion, yeah, I, I think he is a little overrated. To what degree? Am I saying he's a three-star? No, I think the kid's a little bit better than a three-star. In reality, what would I realistically probably rate him? I'd probably put him at, 
a four-star rating, and I would realistically put him, is he the number one quarterback in my book? No. I think he's probably five, six, seven, somewhere in that slot, but I, I don't think he's the number one, 1,000 composite, perfect player. I don't think that, right? Flat Rock Sports presents Cruton Talk. All right, guys, on this segment of Cruton Talk, we got a lot of great things happening, and I can't wait to get into it with you. Let's get it. All right, first up on the list in Cruton Talk is LSU, as they land the number six running back in the class in four-star Caleb Jackson. Now, he's the number 192nd player in the class, and LSU is going to jump up uh, to inside the top 10 as they're now number eight in the rankings. Next up on the list is Louisville. Now, Louisville's not a team you hear about that often, but when they sign some guys, man, I tell you, they sign guys, right? They actually just nabbed the number four offensive guard in the class in four-star Madden Sanker. He's the number 108th player in the country, and he actually helped catapult Louisville up to number 14 in the 23 recruiting rankings. All right, last on my list is Florida State. Now, in recent years, Florida State's recruiting has not been uh, spectacular, but they do get a good player in number 13 offensive tackle, uh, four-star Lucas Simmons. Okay, he's the 109th best player in the country for this class, and that actually is going to help move uh, Florida State up to number 42 in the class. Now, they've, like I said, 42nd in Florida State just doesn't seem right, does it? And in the next segment that we're going to be getting into, I got some good, I got some good stuff for you over there, Florida State fans. Don't you worry. Now, swinging this back over, there's actually nothing new to really update as far as where the recruiting rankings stand from yesterday. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that going forward. Flat Rock Sports presents Hunt's Hot Seat. On today's episode of Hunt's Hot Seat, I've got a great one for you. As we take a look at FSU, Florida State, right? Head coach Mike Norvell. Now, Mike Norvell has been under a lot, a lot of scrutiny. And just like yesterday, you know, we talked about Nebraska and Scott Frost. This is a very similar feel, right? This was a team that was running college football not that long ago. They're a very storied program, and they bring in a guy, and he just kind of is not quite living up to it. Just like Scott Frost, when Frost was at UCF, and they were the natty daddies, right, over there at UCF, uh, Mike Norvell had a great, a great record and did a great job over at Memphis. But it just doesn't seem like it's translating at, at FSU, right? Norvell's record... Uh, in two years there at Florida State is eight and thirteen. Now I'm gonna say that again, eight and thirteen. You've got to do a better job than that, right? This is a team that was last in the uh, college football playoffs back in 2015, right? So they've been relevant as you know they've been relevant recently, right? It's not like it's been 20 years since FSU was back on the block again. They won a national championship actually back in 2014 under Jimbo Fisher and Jameis Winston, okay? That was their third national championship that they've had. They also have had three Heisman winners in their storied career. Here's the thing. He went five and seven last year, all right? Now, part of the reason why he went five and seven last year was because over his couple years he's been there, he's been a part of a couple of recruiting classes there, right? Is he's ranked number 40, or sorry, he, he right now he's got the 42nd recruiting class coming in right, as it sits right now. He's averaged the 27th best recruiting class throughout his, his time there. That's just not going to get it done, not if not in a league where you're competing against Miami and Clemson, right? And speaking of Miami and Clemson, they're in the top 10 in recruiting. 
Now, Miami's even getting back, right? If you ask me who's going to get back first, Miami, Florida State, or Nebraska, hell, right now, based off recruiting, Miami. Mario Cristobal is writing the book on how you compete with these guys, right? So here's the other side of this too, right? In that time, Clemson, okay, has won two national championships, and they've made six appearances in the playoffs. Okay, they're the big dog in the ACC right now. And I know last year they struggled, but God, they are the big dog in the ACC. And it makes it that much harder when you're a former powerhouse and you're watching one of your rivals that you used to beat up on back in the day and was kind of the the, the ugly redheaded stepchild dominating you, you know, and, and being way more relevant. Let's take a look at this, right? They've got to get better at recruiting and they got to start competing with Clemson and Miami, as well as NC State, Wake Forest, some of these teams that are now at the you know upper echelon of the ACC, right? Here's what I'm going to rate this. I'm going to rate this a solid nine, right? I think when you look at what the expectations at Florida State are, when you look at how good on paper Mike Norvell should be, he's got it. He's in a prove it year right now. If he goes out and he loses five, you know, if he if he goes out and he fails to win more than five games this year, I don't see any way they don't fire him. And that ACC, by the way, is very loaded, like we were talking about. You've got a very talented Miami team. You've got Clemson, Wake Forest. You've got NC State. You've got Duke. Now, you do have some scheduled easy wins out there, right, like Georgia Tech. But, God, I mean, you just don't know with this, right? I mean, you got you to gotta hope to do something. Now, let's also take a look at this. I've got an interesting suggestion here, okay? If I'm Florida State, and if you're a Florida State fan watching this, you're probably asking yourself, you know, Christian, what do we need to do in order to get back into being relevant? Well, I'm going to give you the hottest of hot takes on the show, right? Here's what I would do. I would go call a Brinks truck company in Mississippi, and I would tell them, hey, I want you to back up a Brinks truck uh, to Jackson State University. Then I'd fly one of our administrators, our president, our athletic director, whoever, down to Jackson State University, and I would walk and I would walk in and walk right up to Deion Sanders, and I would hand him a blank check and say, "Write whatever you want on there and get pack your stuff. You're coming to Florida State." Because here's what's going to happen: if you bring in Deion Sanders as your coach at Florida State, number one, I think of Florida State. I'm thinking of Deion, right? Neon Deion back in the '80s, prime time, right? It is a good fit. It's probably the best fit you can have out there. He went to Jackson State. He's got a great record at Jackson State, right? He's 15. He's got a 15 and 5 record in, a, in two years, right? He's won almost double the games that Norvell has. And he's almost he's lost less than half the games that Norvell has, right? You it's like the records are flip-flopped. And, and, and Norvell's only really coached one more game than him throughout this period, right? So Here's the other thing that you're going to get when you, if you get Deion Sanders to come be your coach. You're going to get one of the best recruiting classes in the country. I want you to think about this, right? He was na he nabbed one of the best players in the class last year at Jackson State, right? He nabbed, uh, you know, what was that kid's name, that wide receiver? He was a five-star. He was one of the best players. Travis Hunter, I think is his name, right? He got him to come to Jackson State. You go to Florida State, you put Deion back there, you give him the surplus of stuff that they would have there, you know, from a financial standpoint, here's the thing. He would run Florida. All that speed, all that talent coming out of Florida would not escape him, okay? He was a high school coach in Texas, so he's going to go lock down the Texas recruiting market. Oh, and by the way, he was drafted back in the 80s, right, to go uh, be an Atlanta Falcon, 
And so the Dirty Birds, the Atlanta market, they still know Dion, right? They still love Dion up there. He can go get three different places, okay? He can go to three different places. He can lock down the state of Florida and run that recruiting and, and beat out Miami for a lot of these recruits. He can go to Texas, get a lot of the talented players out in Texas. Oh, and guess what? He can go right up the road to Georgia and go steal from Kirby Smart and Nick Saban territory up there in Georgia, right? He would have arguably one of the best recruiting classes out there. And it would probably take Florida State, after they hired him, a couple of years to start seeing the benefits of that. And I'm telling you, they would be back, right? Now, here's, here's what you're saying to yourself, right? This is actually going to benefit, okay? This is going to benefit the ACC as a whole. We've talked a lot about conference realignment, other things, what's going to happen with the ACC. It seems like it's Clemson, and, you know, that's really it right now. You know, there's some other programs that are okay, but, eh, you know, they're not really lights out. Think about this. Clemson's still going to recruit well. Miami is getting back on board. They're recruiting really well right now. Cristobal is going to have them really well. Now you've got Florida State out there, right? I want you to think about this. Think about, think about this. Think about Clemson versus Florida State. Dabo versus Dion, right? The recruiting classes they get, everything like that. That is a primetime matchup right there. Think about this. You're, think, about, think about Miami versus Florida State. The, Alma, the, the Alumni Bowl, the Alma Mater Bowl, right? You got Mario Cristobal, who was a star back at the U, you know, in the, in the 90s. Then you got Deion Sanders, who was a star at Florida State back in the 80s. Man, I'm telling you, you are just, that is a, both of those games are primetime matchups, right? Here's the other thing. Now you've got three, maybe even four, at least three teams in Clemson, Miami, and Florida State in this scenario that are perennial playoff teams, right? I mean, they're going to have three of the most talented rosters in college football. They're going to have three of the best coaches in college football. And I mean, it's all coming from the ACC, right? That would mean the ACC gets to survive. They get to throw these marquee matchups out there. They get to potentially, in, a, in an expanded playoff, now all of a sudden we see the SEC, you know, who I'm a big SEC homer, but now all of a sudden the SEC is not looking as good, right? Because you got to look at what's on the horizon. Nick Saban after this year, he may not, you know, he may start looking at retiring soon, right? Kirby Smart, he's sliding down the recruiting rankings right now, right? So you, there's a lot of different upheaval kind of going on throughout college football. This would be really good because I think it's going to bring back relevance to the teams that you want to see relevant again. Miami, uh, Florida State, right? And maybe even Clemson, but really it's Miami and Florida State, right? It's going to guarantee the survival of the ACC, right? Because you're going to get, like I said earlier, you're getting three perennial playoff teams that every year it's it's a different team. And it's a lot better ratings-wise, right? I mean, wouldn't you agree it's a lot better, in my opinion, from a rating standpoint, when you can, when you just know, hey, it's not Clemson that's going to win the ACC and then go get boat raced by Alabama in the playoff, right? But, hey, maybe Dion's got it this year, you know? Maybe Mario Cristobal's got it. Maybe they actually have a chance to go and play in Alabama and beat them, right? I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing to look at. And again, if I'm Florida State, I'm backing the Brinks truck up down there in Jackson State. Guys, with that being said, that's actually going to conclude this episode of the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your source for daily college football. As always, I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and we'll catch you next time.